that video clip comes out of the life and story of uh, Corrie ten Boom. She was a, a Dutch Christian in the Second World War who was imprisoned for helping uh, Jews escape the Nazis. It is uh, Corrie ten Boom who coined the phrase that Christians and pe- preachers in particular love to quote, the safest place is in the center of God's will. Uh, Corrie said that phrase in the midst of great suffering. We modern-day Christians have kind of twisted that phrase to mean that we are somehow bulletproof, uh, that if we're obediently following Jesus, uh, surrender your life to Jesus, and hey, nothing will go wrong. But that is so not uh, understanding what Corey Ten Boom meant. Corey knew what it meant to follow Jesus into dangerous circumstances and suffer the consequences. She and her family were responsible for rescuing nearly 800 Jews through an underground network of safe homes. Just after midnight on February 28, 1944, the, the German Gestapo burst into the Ten Boom home and arrested the whole family. Corey's 84-year-old father died soon after in prison. Corey and her sister Betsy ended up in a concentration camp. Later, Corey watched her uh, sister uh, die, and, and she died with these words on their lips. They're really powerful words. Just listen. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Let me say that again so you can really grasp that. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. Friends, being in the center of God's will often means we will end up in places of suffering and brokenness. Being in the, the center of God's will, will will cost us. Being in the center of God's will will cost us time, resources, finances, energy, and sometimes close relationships and sometimes even our lives. Corey understood all that, but throughout her life she would tell these stories about her life of protecting the lives of Jews and uh, of Nazi imprisonment and, and then conclude the safest place is the center of God's will. And she would then call people to surrender their lives to Jesus and to his call to mission. Well, I believe that Corey Ten Boom is absolutely right. The safest place is in the center of God's will. I don't think most Christians get what she means. Because the truth is, being at the center of God's will doesn't mean that you become bulletproof or pandemic-proof or living a life that will be always delivered from pain, that relationships won't always fall apart. Being at the center of God's will can be painful. It, it, it can be costly. So instead of saying uh, the safest place is in the center of God's will, I, I want to readjust that a little bit. And I came up with my, kind of my own little ism. And I think, yeah, it goes like this. Life on mission is life to the full. And I think Corey would agree with that. It's a little different, so let me say it again. Life on mission is life to the full, and and it brings glory to our God. If you're church-raised, or if you've hung around Fort City for any length of time, you will remember what Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. We all want to experience this life to the full. We all want our lives to flourish. And deep inside of us, we know that our lives won't flourish unless we have you know, unless we have lives that are, have a bit of purpose, and, uh, unless our lives are making a difference in some way, and unless our lives are on mission for Jesus. But living life to the full is not, the way we think of safe, is not the safest way to live. The flourishing life is, is not always an easy life. Rather, it's a life of faith. It's a life of courage. It, it often involves risk and sacrifice. 
If you're a follower of Jesus, I mean, you understand that you were not put on earth just to live for yourself. You were made for a, a, a greater purpose than to make money. I mean, look after your family and retire and die. The truth is, you were planned for God's purposes. The only way that you can know and, and find life and experience it to the full is when you live your life for God's purposes, for God, he's, he's made a mission for you. This, this mission is, is what gives your life meaning. Now today, we're going to end our message by worshiping through communion. We're, we're going to celebrate the, the climax of Jesus' mission on earth when he died on the cross to pay for our sins. I, I want you to listen to how Jesus connects his sacrificial mission to our mission as he prays to his Father. He says, he prays, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them, that's us, a mission in the world. Friends, there's not a one of you here this morning who doesn't have a mission that God created for you to, to be a part of right now. But hear this maybe loving word of warning from Jesus. Jesus says, if you insist on living for yourself, if you insist on living for yourself, you're going to lose your life. In other words, you're going to waste the whole purpose of your life. You're, you're going to miss out on the life, that, uh, this life to the full, that, that, that God, that he has for you. Jesus then continues, only those who give away their lives for my sake and the sake of the good news, uh, I mean, that's part of being in mission, right, will ever know what it means to really live. In other words, life on mission is life to the full. And until you know your life mission and you're doing your life mission, you're, you're just existing. You're not living life to the full. Your, your life will not have the full meaning that God intends for you. The Apostle Paul, he, he says the same things to us. The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me. Friends, this is so important that I'm going to devote the month of July to unpack the meaning of when, when I say life on mission is life to the full. And we're going to do it by looking at the Old Testament story of Jonah. It's a story about a guy getting a mission from God and then running away from that mission. It's a story of what God does and his grace and mercy to get him back on track with his mission. And, and I'm going to draw some thoughts from uh, Rick Warren on Jonah for this. But uh, yeah, I, friends... You have a calling on your life from God. You have a, a mission, and it, it's what God intends your life to be all about. And quite frankly, nothing matters more. So here's my question for you. Do you know what your life mission is? Are you completing it right now? If not, just hang on for this month because I kind of want to help you with this. So let's uh, dive into what uh, Jonah can teach us about mission We'll start at the first verse of this book that's all about him. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that part. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So the story of Jonah is a story about a prophet. He, he's someone who knows God. He's committed his life to follow God, but he runs in the opposite direction from God's mission for his life. Hey, some of us, maybe 
Someone here is doing that right now. You're, you're living for yourself. Now you come to church so that your life will be better and that's good. You, you come to church so that God will touch you in some way but you haven't figured out that God is actually calling you to give your life away. And if that's you, this is a great story for you. God really wants to speak to you in this series. Now Jonah, he bitterly resented the fact that God loves and cares for evil people. You, you ever struggle that, that God would love an evil person? Think of some evil people and then consider that God loves them just as much as he loves you. Some of us find that really disconcerting, but it is true. Now hear me. The, the book of Jonah does not teach that God loves evil people because they're evil, but rather God loves evil people. God loves all people simply because they're human. And because they're human, they are of great worth in spite of their behavior, in spite of the fact that they, you know, live lives in total disregard of God. Now, to help you understand when, where Jonah gets this really deep bitterness and resentment from, well, Nineveh is a major city in Assyria. It was that capital of Assyria. and Assyria was the strongest empire of the day. Nineveh is on the Tigris River in what is now modern-day Iraq. Many of you have heard of the city of Mosul. It's been in the news lots in Iraq. Well, the ruins of Nineveh are kind of right across from Mosul. Assyria in this day is a superpower and a cruel enemy of Israel. Jonah was a proud nationalist Israelite. He loved his country. He loved his people. He wanted the Assyrians to be harmed, blown apart, not helped. I mean, the Assyrians were mortal enemies. They were religious enemies. They were racial enemies. Jonah is like, I believe in my country and nobody else, and I don't want to help these people. They're the enemy. And quite frankly, there is maybe a little racism rising in Jonah. And maybe something else too. Jonah has been raised in a little tiny itty-bitty town of 500 people at most. Jonah is not a city boy. He's a small town boy. He's not an urbanite. Nineveh at this time is the biggest city in the known world, and it is a pretty dark place. It would be like sending a, a, a good Salvation Army boy from Dildo, Newfoundland. Yes, I've been to Dildo, and I would have said Pentecostal boy, but they don't have a Pentecostal church there. It, it would be like taking this young man from Dildo and sending him to Baltimore in the USA to work with inner city gangs. I, I picked Baltimore because it has got... Uh, yeah, it's got one of the highest homicide rates in the U.S. And because my brother Ken, who's an ER doctor in Montreal, he was sent to Baltimore to train how to treat gunshot wounds because we just don't have enough gunshot wounds anywhere in Canadian hospitals to learn how to treat them. So you go to Baltimore. So you get the idea. Nineveh is a dark, evil place. Jonah is repulsed at this call of God on his life. He dislikes this people. He's uncomfortable where they live. It just stresses him out big time. So to avoid this divine assignment, this man of God tries to get as far away from Nineveh as possible. I mean, Nineveh is about 800 kilometers to the east. He said he's headed west to Tarshish, probably in what is now Spain, the Farthest no location west that he was aware of, maybe 3,200 kilometers to the west. And hey, you see this all the time with people raised in church or, or even with people who just want to check Jesus out and check out church. We all want God to wrap his arms around us so that we live lives of safety and security. 
We all want God to heal our loved ones. We want God to prosper us. All things that God loves to do, but we want to come to Jesus, worship Jesus, as long as we gain a few benefits but don't have to pay much in return. After all, isn't salvation free? But when we discover that there's a cost to commitment, when we discover that God is calling us to invest our lives in causes that are close to his heart, invest our lives in the lives of others, including people we don't like, or kids. Kids these days are so hard to work with, aren't they? So when a call like that comes from God, many of us run. I urge you not to run. I, I urge you to consider the truth that the only way to experience the life you yearn for, the only way to life to the full is to live your life on mission. That life on mission is life to the full. That's the way God designed us to experience life, that we'll only experience life, when, you know, the life that we really yearn for when we're on mission for God. But yeah, Jonah didn't believe that. Jonah didn't want to pay the price that life on mission would require of him, so he ran. I'm not sure what he was thinking when he ran from God, but then I'm not sure what people today are thinking when they run from God, right? I mean, can you really run from God? I mean, give that some thought. And as he ran, God sent a storm to turn him around. Let's, Let's read more of the story. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own god, and and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up! Call on your god. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. You know, sometimes storms in your life are your own darn fault. Sometimes the storms in your life is God trying to get your attention. Sometimes the storms in your life come when you turn your back on God, choose to live for yourself, choose to go your own way and and reject what God says in his word. Now, God doesn't always send a storm when you run away from him. But when he does, wow, that's actually love. That's God saying, hey there, turn around, get on track. I love you and I've, I've got something much better for your life. The mission I've got for you is is what you're really looking for, even if it scares you, (coughs) even if it inconveniences you, even if it costs you, because life on mission is life to the full, and friends, it brings glory to our God. And sometimes, our God just loves you so much, he doesn't want you to miss out on the joy, the, the exhilaration, the life to the full that comes from being on mission for him. Other times... God just lets you run. And he backs off and he lets you reap the consequences of your decision. And sometimes, you know, you say, oh yeah, those consequences, they don't look that bad. But friends, they just don't lead to the life that God has for you. You're, you're missing out on so much. Either way, I, I think we need to see that when I run from God, it will cost me. What we often fail to see is that it always costs more to run from God than to actually run with God. Make sense? As we read on in this story, things just, like, get worse. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is... How have you brought all this trouble on us? Now... 
I want to think about you running from God. And if you get asked this question, how have you brought all this trouble on us? Whether it's your kids or grandkids or your wife or your husband or your work associates. What are you doing, man? Why are you screwing up so much? Why are you causing all this problem for the rest of us? But because here's, here, here's another consequence that comes from running from God, uh, running from his mission. When we run from God, we, we, we sometimes mess up other people's lives in the process. When we run from God, sometimes we hurt other people. So Jonah, he finally gets it. He confesses that he's running from God. And these sailors who do not follow Jonah's God, they follow other gods. But hey, Jonah's answer just scares them. Jonah, why have you done this? What an idiot. Why would you try to run from God? Hey, even atheists know that if a Christian says he's running from God, that's got to be trouble, right? Atheists know that if there is a God, I mean, if God does exist, then he's got to be omniscient, he's got to be omnipresent, he's got to be everyone, everywhere, he knows everything. You, you can't run from God if there is a God, and atheists would even understand that. Okay, the truth is you could choose to run from God for the rest of your life, right? But then a moment comes when you can't run anymore because the moment you die, you're going to go face to face with God. So why would you be this naive? Why would you try to run from God when you know as a Christian that you're going to have to eventually face him? Yet there are Christians who seem to be doing this all the time. But this is what happens. We read that the sea was getting rougher and rougher. And the story of Jonah is a story that teaches us the longer I run from God, the worse it gets. The longer I put off accepting the mission, the longer I live a self-centered, selfish life, the worse it's going to get. Some of you think that this last year or two have been rough, and I, I mean it has been tough on you. I, I get that. It's been rough a couple of years. Hey, as someone who loves you, as your pastor, as your spiritual coach, I'm urging you, make a full surrender of your life to God. Give it all to Jesus. Just let go and let God have it all. Get on mission with God because you, you don't know what kind of storm is, is coming up next. It may be nothing compared to what you went through during those pandemic years, you just don't know. You just don't know. So Jonah tells the sailors that the only way to calm the storm is to, like, throw them overboard. Jonah gets that this is a God storm in all of their lives, that he's causing pain for so many others because of his disobedience. So he's willing to let them throw him overboard. He's willing to be thrust into the hands of God to do as God wills. So, yeah, finally, maybe... For the first time in a long time, Jonah actually steps in and does an unselfish act. He goes, look, I'm the cause of the storm, folks. And you guys are all kind of, you could die soon. The ship's cracking up. And so just toss me overboard, okay? Just thrust me into the hands of God and, and everything will calm down. So do the sailors take his advice? No, of course not. They try to solve their problem their own way. They, they row harder then they don't want to see Jonah die. I mean, but it's not working. The storm just gets wildly out of control. They, they can't turn things around on their own despite their best efforts. Yeah, sometimes we're just like those sailors, right? Even as the storm rages around us, we don't want to do what God's asking us to do. What God's asking us to do doesn't always make sense. Sometimes it's not even the nicest thing to do. I mean, would you throw Jonah overboard to what is likely his death? Would you do that? But here's the thing about when God speaks to us, when he calls us. If I'm fighting God's plan, I mean, trying harder just doesn't work, right? 
If I'm running from God, trying harder doesn't, won't work, doesn't work, because your arms are too short to kind of box with God. God is God, you're not. The only way you're going to be saved is just to surrender to the grace, the goodness, the love, and the mercy of God and throw yourself into his arms. You can't save yourself. And I'm not just talking about saving yourself for heaven. I'm talking about the situation you're in right now. You, you just can't do it all on your own. Finally, as the storm continues to get worse and worse, the sailors do what Jonah asked, and they toss him overboard. And guess what? As soon as they do, the sea grows calm. Funny thing about doing God's will, while it's not a guarantee of complete safety, but... You know, generally, when I do what God wants, things calm down. When the sailors saw this happen, when they saw the raging seas calm down, they were awestruck by God's greatness, and they worshipped God, and they offered a sacrifice to God, and they made vows. They made promises to God. God, we're, we're going to go your way from now on. The whole ship converted. Why? Because one guy who was doing the wrong thing, the believer who was going the wrong way, gets his life right, and all of a sudden, non-believers believe. Friends, there is power in you getting your life right with God. There is power in you saying yes to the mission God has for your life. God, I surrender to you, like 100%. I, I, I'm going with your mission. I'm giving you just happens because all of a sudden they see that you are walking in calmness not in stress and not in a storm and they go whoa i want that in my life i do do you see it life on mission is life to the full so are you ready to say yes to the call because god does have a mission for you god god does have a purpose for you to fulfill He's calling you to make a difference for him. He has a mission for you where you work, where you play, where your kids play. He has you at this church to be a part of his mission. Friends, you will never be more alive than when you are on mission for Jesus living at the center of his will. To run from God's will is to run from God's life to the full. So what is God calling you to do? What does mission look like for you? Even now, ask God to speak to you about his call on your life. Ask God what it looks like for you to live on purpose, on mission. But don't expect the call to be easy or cost-free. It will take time, energy, resources, finances, and a lot of faith. It can be risky, even scary. Jesus understood this. As we look at the bread and juice set out on the communion tables in front of us, they are reminders of the mission Jesus was sent on over 2,000 years ago. A mission to make a way for you and me to have a personal, life-changing, eternal relationship with Jesus. A mission to overcome the sin that separates us from God. A, a mission that will ultimately see this planet of ours get recreated into a new earth and new heaven. The mission of Jesus was hugely costly. The ultimate cost, really, his life. But as Jesus lived his life on mission, he lived his life to the full, and he experienced joy, deep joy from doing the will of his Father. 
The writer of the letter of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, joy, Jesus endured the cross. Joy, exhilaration, life to the full. He he paid the ultimate price, giving up his life so that you and I could have life. Listen to these words of Jesus. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus got sustenance. He he gained energy by doing the will of his Father. There was power, life-giving power, when you are living at the center of God's will. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward and in an attitude of worship and thanksgiving, uh, come to the table and receive the communion elements. Then take them back to your seat where you will uh, peel off the first layer and uh, uh, drink that and worship Jesus and then peel off the next layer. And um, uh, First, you're going to pull off the layer and eat the bread, I should say, and, and, and just remember Jesus' death on the cross and then pull off the next layer and drink juice and remember and thank Jesus for his shed blood. But as you come forward, would you come forward with an attitude that says yes to the call of God on your life? Say to God, as I experience the life-giving eternal benefits of Jesus' mission on the cross, as I experience what Jesus did on the cross, today I sign up for your mission, whatever it is. Tell Jesus that you want to live life on mission for him. Ask Jesus how he would have you serve his mission. And you might remember that Jesus hesitated when it came to fulfilling the mission. He too was tempted to run. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. But then he surrendered his will to his fathers and said, yet not my will, but yours be done. As you come forward, would you say to Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. And as you pray, not my will, again, remember, life on mission really is life to the full. Life on mission is life with meaning, purpose, joy. It's full of exhilaration. It is life to the full. Will you join me for a moment of prayer and then come forward for communion? And as you come forward, will you worship by surrendering your life to God's will, God's mission, and just giving thanks that the mission of Jesus has transformed your life now and forever. Let's pray, and you can take my words and pray them with me and kind of make them your own personal prayer. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient to the mission that your Father gave you. As I eat bread and drink juice that are emblematic of your body and blood given up for me, I commit to being a part of your mission to bring this life and power of Jesus to people in need wherever they are. I don't want to run anymore. I don't want to experience an opposing storm in my life, but today I declare that I will live on mission for you no matter the cost. Forgive me for those times I have not lived for you as I should. And I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill me and empower me to live on mission, even as you lived on mission. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.